Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni with you. And we are joined uh, by our colleague uh, here at, at NCLA, one of our litigators, Caitlin Schiraldi. Caitlin, welcome to welcome back to Administrative Static. Thank you for having me. So the reason that we have Caitlin on is because as she was just uh, involved in uh, drafting an amicus brief uh, to uh, the United States Supreme Court. And this is uh, this is an amicus brief in a case called Consumers Research uh, v. Uh, FCC, and this case involves something called the Universal Service Fund. Can you tell us about the Universal Service Fund, Caitlin? What What is this creature at the FCC? Yes, um, I actually want to start with a, just a tad bit of history about the FCC and, uh, and how the USF came into play. Um, so Congress created the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, in 1934, and its purpose was to carry out this idea of a universal service mandate. And this, at the time, was quick nationwide wire and radio communication services as at a reasonable rate. Um, and in the 90s, Congress drafted the Telecommunications Act of 1966. 1996. And it, it Nineteen ninety six, yes. Yep. And it established the uh, Universal Service Fund. Um, so Section two fifty four of the statute is what is at issue. And what the USF does is it helps pay for access to telecommunication services in rural and high cost areas and to public institutions. And and is that something that Congress appropriates the fund for every year? Well, that's the issue. Um, the USF is funded by telecommunications carriers, and um, it's now reached a $10 billion per year uh, amount, which is 25 times the FCC's annual budget, and that's because Congress did not put a cap on how the FCC can raise money under this fund. So how, how, does, uh, how does the fund raise money? Um, so it's the carriers are are charged a percentage, um, and it's just gotten uh, unwieldy, as as the ten billion dollar number would suggest. Yeah, this is something people see on their bills, like a USF charge on your bill. It's it's passed on to to people that are paying for these services. Yes, that's correct. Okay, uh, and and so what's the argument that? Uh, and I should say this this case was not uh, brought by NCLA. This is a case. Uh, brought by our friends over at uh, Boyd and Gray and Associates, I believe Trevor McCotter, uh, and and what are they arguing? Uh, what did they argue to the Sixth Circuit below? Uh, I guess unsuccessfully. Yes, so they raised the issue of uh, non-delegation. Um, they they what they did is they went to the Sixth Circuit um, along with so so it's Consumers Research, which is a nonprofit entity, Cause Based Commerce, which is a telecommunications carrier and also some consumers, and they petitioned the Sixth Circuit to review a 2021 order from the FCC that proposed a contribution factor for the USF. Um, in, it, in their petition, they raised the issue of non-delegation, and the Sixth Circuit denied the petition for review because it didn't think that Section 254 violated the non-delegation doctrine. And um, because of the Sixth Circuit's ruling, um, consumers research is now asking the Supreme Court to grant cert on its case and we really keyed in on only one of their questions presented 
which is whether Section 254 violates the non-delegation doctrine by imposing no limit whatsoever on the FCC's power to raise revenue. Yeah, it's sort of crazy to think about this. This uh, uh, You really have the tail wagging the dog here when you have a fund that's raising $10 billion a year and it's 25 times the size of the budget that the FCC gets appropriated by Congress. So in other words, you have... Right you have a little bit of a portion of the budget that Congress has control over and that Congress can, with, with the, the sort of the whip hand, Congress can control what the FCC does with this part of the budget. And then you have the other 25 times larger amount of money that FCC controls where Congress really has no oversight or no control over what the FCC is doing with that $10 billion, at least as I understand it. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what the FCC is doing with it either. <laughs> Well, and even assuming that they're doing a, a good things with it, uh, I think the problem here that um, that that the cert petition identifies is that uh, this isn't how this isn't how funding is supposed to work. This isn't how um, I mean, the Congress has not adequately specified what's happening with with this money. They're not supposed to just take a giant dollop of money and give it to an agency and say, "Go forth and do what you want with it." I mean, imagine if Congress uh, passed a law that said, the Department of Defense gets half a trillion dollars a year and, you know, it can do whatever it wants with it. I mean, that would be crazy, but that's essentially what this fund is. I mean, it's it, it has a little bit of instruction in terms of uh, of what the funds are supposed to go for, but the amount of money that it has grown to is so much larger than what that particular thing requires that what they do with the leftover funds is really unmanaged, as far as I can tell, by by Congress. Well, in the way that the Sixth Circuit and even the government categorize what the so-called, quote-unquote, intelligible principle is, is kind of insane. I kind of, I wanted to highlight a couple of things that the Sixth Circuit said that sure. I just could not believe. They said that um, the Congress's method of funding the USF limits FCC's discretion because it says who pays for the service and how it should calculate the amount. And how did the Sixth Circuit get there, you might ask? Well, the statute requires that telecommunication service providers shall contribute on an equitable and non-discriminatory basis to the fund. And the Sixth Circuit said that this clause alone prevents case-by-case contribution amounts and equalizes the obligation on carriers. So they said that's enough. And they also said because the statute limits the funds to what is quote-unquote sufficient to achieve the purpose of universal service, that that is essentially a soft cap on the size of the budget. And they think that an intelligible principle exists. And the government said largely the same thing. Um, so I, I just found that quite appalling because the intelligible principle has just been watered down through decades of really terrible case law. <laughs> well, I agree with that. And, and if that's a soft cap, then it's been blown through a long time ago. I mean, that, the, the idea that, that that language caps it, okay, I think you could maybe win that argument if, you know, if the size uh, was $1 billion instead of $10 billion, and instead of 25 times the FCC budget, it was 2.5 times the FCC budget, but we're we're way way past the idea that that there's some sort of limit capping this, um, and, and so I, I think that essentially FCC has been freed to 
define its own objectives and priorities with with really no standards to constrain them or, or hold them accountable. I mean, is, is there an argument in the case? And, and and I'm just showing my ignorance here, Caitlin. But is there another argument that that the Boyd and Gray folks are making that hey, they've blown through the soft cap? Is that part of the argument? Well, I, I think something that I, that kind of goes along with that argument is they said, look, even if you try to say that these are fees, you can't even say that with a straight face, right? Like you can't say this is not a tax on the American people. This is just a fee of as part of getting telecommunication services to your area. Well, a fee would mean that this is a value for value transaction. These contributors are receiving nothing in return. So no matter how you categorize it, the amount is just too much. Well, because you're taking money from one pocket and you're spending it somewhere else. I mean, the people who are getting the benefit of this, for example, to the extent this is being spent on rural telecom or something like that, the fees aren't being charged to recipients of rural telecommunication services. It's being exactly. sent, the, ch- the charges for everybody. So it's it's really a, a way of, of redistributing uh, the the costs of, uh, you know, of probably the costs of some telecommunication services that wouldn't pay for themselves would probably be the... Uh, the best way uh, to say it, and whether the FCC has a legitimate role to play there is something for Congress to decide, but Congress hasn't really decided that. It's just left this big pile of money for the FCC uh, to define objectives and, and priorities, and and therein uh, lies uh, the problem. So we just have a couple of minutes left, Caitlin. What, uh, are, are there any arguments that are made in, in, this, in our amicus brief in support of the cert petition that you wanted to, uh, to mention? Yes, um, we actually got to have a lot of fun and deep dive into uh, Congress's uh, exclusive authority to tax and spend via legislation. Um, I mean, congressional control over taxing was the byproduct of grievances against the crown. So we talked a little bit about the history, and I think a lot of people have heard the phrase, no taxation without representation. Also, um, I think a war was fought over that. I, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> um, and we we put in a really good quote by um, our founder, Philip Hamburger. He said that the Constitution does not say that legislative powers shall be vested in a Congress of the United States and anyone with whom Congress shares them. I thought that was really great. Um, we focused, obviously, our amicus solely on non-delegation and um our colleague, Jeanette Brown, we drafted this together, and she went through the history of um, what non-delegation looked like in the 30s when two cases, Panama Refining and Schecter Poultry, actually said, hey, we found a non-delegation violation to where we are now. So she just discusses how this idea of non-delegation has slowly been watered down to now we're looking at cases like this. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and one of the cases like consumers research and saying it's okay. Absolutely. And and I like what you said in, in our press release too, there was a quote in there where you, you said by relinquishing its power of the purse, FCC has gone rogue and has unconstitutionally taxed the American people to the tune of $10 billion annually to fund its universal service fund. It's time Americans wake up to the mischief of the administrative state and rightfully draw boundaries around the enumerated powers. And so hopefully the Supreme Court will take this uh, Consumers Research v. Federal Communications uh, Commission case and will decide this non-delegation question. We'll find out. Caitlin, thanks for uh, telling us more about it.